Hey, if you need a job, stand up right quick while we're doing an offering, and we'll, we'll pray for you. Anybody standing up? Y'all look around. If somebody's near you, uh, ask them first uh, if you can put your hand on them. Some people don't want that, but if they want it, give it to them. Smear the anointing of the Jesus on them. Favor of God, we ask you to come right now on these people that need jobs. We just release jobs from heaven into this room. Lord, you have a job, you have profession, you have careers, you have employment. Lord, we're asking not for some job that wouldn't meet needs but would uh, be prosperous. Uh, We ask for abounding, anointing, promotions, Lord, better jobs, more lucrative jobs, better benefits, businesses to be released. We ask you for creativity for those who are standing. They would think creatively. They would see uh, jobs where they can't see jobs. Lord, they would see opportunities where they don't, where others see disaster and failure. They would see an opportunity. They would have courage to step into these opportunities that you're going to give them that will lead to um, an amazing career or an amazing employment. Uh, we just ask you to do that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, uh, when our enemy comes in like a flood, the Holy Spirit. Like a flood, we declare that over these needs today in in the name of Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you're doing it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. It's all good. At the end of the service, we're going to be praying for the sick. So, and if you have a a revelation on particularly about illness, um, please let Marlon know. He'll be back in a minute. Or he's back in the back of the room. But, you know, if you feel like the Lord's showing you something about a particular issue that somebody may be having, or maybe you have an issue and you want to make sure we pray for it. So we're going to be praying for, for all the sick uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. So yesterday I had a pretty great opportunity to go down to Charlotte. Uh, and you know, y'all know about love life. Most of you do. But, um, they, you know, they had to shift the way they were doing things. And... So what they're doing now is trying, their dream is for, there's 700 abortion clinics in the United States. And their dream is to have uh, a pastor and people at every one of these abortion clinics praying, every one of them, and stopping abortion. Isn't that cool? So, So, you know, they were just... They started out doing one, and now yesterday there were like 16 abortion clinics that there were people at. And so I was at one on, what's the name of that road? Wendover Road. Don't ever go to that abortion clinic or you'll get killed because of the traffic. (laughs) But it was right off the road. I don't know if you've ever been to Wendover Road in Charlotte, but it makes 150 in Morrisville look like a country road, and it's so busy. But... uh, we were there, I was there with some people from this group called Cities for Life, which is a, I think the Benham Brothers, y'all have heard of them, I think they started that, it's a pretty, pretty powerful group, but they do sidewalk counseling, they're the people who interface with, uh, with them, but you had, the, yeah, you had to do this, I didn't know this, okay, you had to hold your phone like this for two hours, <laughs> and you had to wear uh, earbuds, and they text you, 
and, you're, and you text him and tell him what's going on. Of course, I didn't really do it well because they kept asking me, are you ready to talk? And I couldn't keep up with holding the phone for two hours. And, but the Lord did do some stuff at that abortion clinic yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you, Lord. Uh, you know, one woman came, went in, and left pretty quick crying. So we were happy about that. Another woman went in, and basically her sister pretty much drug her out of there. Praise God for sisters. Amen. I don't know what else happened, you know, because they're, you know, like I say, it's, it's kind of a hard place to be uh, as far as the traffic noise and trying to figure out what was really going on. But it was worthwhile. So if you're interested in doing that, Crystal, stand up. Crystal is our official love life person. Okay? If you want to get involved in helping, if you want to do something that's real and practical, that is something real and practical that you can do to help stop abortion in this country. And I believe, personally, if we can shut that window, we can shut a lot of other windows. Because I believe abortion just feeds everything else. All this violence, all this murder. It's like if the... You know, okay, here's one of the things. that Every day in the United States of America, 900 black children are murdered in an abortion clinic. The whole abortion industry was started to destroy the black race and the Jewish race. That was their, their, their stated purpose. And so, okay, you have organizations like Black Lives Matter. Okay, now let, let me make this really clear. I believe in the phrase Black Lives Matter. I think that is a very important thing to say. But that organization gives money to kill their own race. That's what they're doing. They're taking money and giving it to, to Planned Parenthood. And so I think we need, to see, we need to know some of these things. Okay? We need to know what's really going on in our country. And I think a lot of this is... As awful as it is, and as terrible as it is, what's happening in our nation right now, I think it's necessary. I think things are being exposed that need to be exposed. And it's just, as violence, we should never have violence. You know, we really never should have it. We should not have police brutality. Okay, that man that was murdered, that was, he was murdered as far as I'm concerned. That was wrong. I believe there has been... Uh, brutality from the police department, but I don't, don't believe this. I don't believe every police officer in this country is brutal. I believe there's a few bad apples out there that are making a mess of things. And I think the, if, if we stop having police departments in our country, we are going to be terrible. That is idiotic. Okay? So these are things we need to begin to pay attention and look at and see some truth that's behind these things. So we can pray, okay, and that we can do some things that are, for me, to me, to be able to go and just be there and pray for two hours at an abortion clinic is a pretty big deal, okay? If we could get 700 pastors in the United States to do that and many people from the churches to do that, that's two hours, three hours, okay, out of your life, three, maybe four. Uh, you know, as things loosen up. You know, it was pretty tight on not wanting a bunch of people there. But I'm just saying there's things we can do in terms of prayer, and there's practical things that we can do that can help. And there's many other things. I'm just using the abortion thing because I have a lot of 
passionate about that, honestly, because I love babies. Amen? Okay, so, yes, amen. Um, how many people ever had, how many people in this room have you ever washed somebody's feet? Raise your hand. Get the pan out. How many people have ever had their feet washed? Raise your hand. Which is worse? Getting your feet washed is one of the most humiliating things that can ever happen to you. I'll, I'll, I will lick your feet, okay, to wash them versus want my feet washed. Here's the reason I'm saying this. I wanted to make this really clear. I didn't want to do it last week when everybody stood up and clapped, okay? That's like getting your feet washed. It's very hard, but you don't want to dishonor people when they honor you. Okay, but I do want to say this. I want to honor you. I want to honor the people who have, you know, been here, you know, when we couldn't meet, that were here, you know, doing the sound, doing the worship, bringing breakfast. A lot of people did a lot of things. And then I want to honor you for, for being there and supporting the church through that. So why don't you stand up and give yourself... <laughs> A big hand wash or foot washing. Stand up and give yourself a clap. You deserve it. Yes, you deserve it. Now, we know all praise and honor goes to Jesus, right? You know, that's just not, you know, we're just not going to be ridiculous about this. You know, like Corey Ten Boom, I don't know if you ever heard of her, but she was a mighty woman. was in the prison uh, in, during the Nazi, you know, arrested. And, but someone asked her how she handled, because she had much honor later in her life. She said it was like roses, like people give her roses, she accepts them. But at the end of the day, she goes and lays those roses at Jesus' feet. Isn't that beautiful? And he gets all, you know, he deserves all the glory. And I just wanted to say that, and I want to thank everybody for your goodness and being kind to me. Amen. Okay, let me read the scripture here. I have a good, well, Lord, help me. Let this be a good message. You know, when you preach, you have this, uh, I'm going to try not to be so ADD. Somebody said to me last Sunday, Byron, there's a big difference when you're preaching, when you're just preaching to a camera than when you're preaching to people in the room. I said, what's the difference? You're more ADD when people are in the room. I thought, that's perfect. I am. It's, It's all these, it's you or your fault. You're thinking things and saying stuff, and they're somehow getting transmitted to my mind. But anytime you get up to preach, you're taking a big risk of failure, you know, because if God doesn't show up, it's going to be rough. That's the way we want it, right? We don't want we want people who like God. You better show up here, or this ain't going to. It's not going to turn out well. Help, Lord. Oh, Lord, help. I'm going to read Psalm one, one through three. Blessed is the man, and I'm reading out a New King James Version, uh, just in case you're wondering. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaves whose leaf also shall not wither, wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. So I just want to say this. 
you know, many times when we go through things in life, I know this is personal for me, and I know for many of us, when we, we go through difficulties, uh, many people go to the Psalms to try to find some help from the Psalms because the Psalms have this vast array of emotions in them. It's incredible. You can find about, every, you know, shame, guilt, uh, sadness, grief, uh, hate, anger, uh, joy, peace, righteousness. You can find all of these different emotions in the Psalms. God has given us this, this window into people's hearts of when they're going through a situation in life or going through something terrible and, and there and they're, is a lot of honesty in the Psalms, a lot of truth is not denying those things. And, and what happens, it gives you a way to process those things. It gives you a way to process fear, grief, anger. You can find those in the Psalms and how to, I've said this many times, but some of the Psalms start out rough. I mean, if you just stop there, you would think despair. But they end well because the person, you're getting them processing their feelings through the Psalms. So the Psalms are a mighty way on a personal level to process things. So right now we're in a time where I would really encourage people to go to the Psalms so you can process some of the things you're feeling. Because we're all feeling stuff right now that doesn't feel good. We're all hearing things that hurt us and that we feel deeply concerned about. And instead of, you know, trying to internalize it and pack it down, get it. the Word of the Lord has the power to help you process those in a healthy way and, and, and get through it and get through to the other side where it comes out really beautiful. Um, you know, St. Jerome, everybody, everybody knows old St. Jerome, right? Uh, if you know about church history, you know he wrote the Latin Bible. They call it the Vulgate, uh, which is, was a Bible meant for people. Uh, but he is a saint in the Catholic Church. And he said about Psalm 1, he said, Psalm 1 is the prefaces of the Holy Spirit. The prefaces of the Holy Spirit. Y'all know what a prefaces is? Here's a great definition. It is an introduction to a book. It's an introduction to a book typically stating its subject, scope, or aims. So what St. Jerome was saying about the Psalms is Psalm 1 states the aim. The aim, the aim of the, all the Psalms is in this one Psalm. It's the thing that God wanted us to know about the whole book. He put it at the very beginning. It was the Holy Spirit's way of saying, this is what I want to communicate through this book. And the rest of it is just an outworking of what's stated in Psalm 1. The whole, every Psalm, the other 149 of them, is an outworking of this one book, these one few verses. Are you following this? Okay, now, Psalm 1 is, I love all this. I hope y'all do. This, all this is fascinating to me. Psalm 1 is what's known as a wisdom psalm. Okay, now, if you go and study the Bible or study the Psalms, there's all these, some people say five, some people say seven different types of Psalms. I don't know who's right or, I think they're both right, probably, you know, but, but I'm going to go with the five because it's easy. There are praise psalms, there are lamentation psalms. Don't you love that? Lamentation songs. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentation. You should read it. It's powerful. 
uh, there's Thanksgiving Psalms and there's what they call this royal Psalms or enthronement Psalms where you're, so there's all these different types of Psalms. Obviously all the Psalms have wisdom in it, right? Every Psalm has wisdom. There's one, there's ones like this, the particular ones that have this particular wisdom, this particular thing that's being stated to, to impart this wisdom into our life. And, uh. So this is a very foundational thing in the Psalms, and, and this, is, this is what it wants to tell us, okay? It's about how to prosper in life. That, that's what it's about. And therefore, all the rest of the Psalms are an outworking of how to prosper. That should be exciting, right? When I first began to discuss, I thought, my gosh, I've read this a million times. I've never considered I never considered that this teaches me how to prosper in life. Okay? I'm not talking about what's popularly called in a negative way the prosperity gospel. I'm talking about this biblical prosperity that God has chosen to release to His people. And it is God's heart for all of His people to have. Um, And and this is the beautiful thing. I love this phrase. And whatever. Everybody say whatever. Whatever He does shall prosper. My gosh, that is a huge, open-ended promise from the Bible, from the Word of God, from God's own mouth, spoken into the heart of the writer of Psalms, which there's arguments about it. I'm kind of going with the David side that he wrote it. Whatever he does, if he will do these things, he will prosper. Not he will. There's a big difference between will and shall. Y'all know that, right? I know a few things about English. Okay, and I know in the engineer world, you had to be very careful about those two words, will and shall, because if you said shall, you had just, you had just put yourself under something. In other words, you were going to do whatever the shell was. The shell was going to happen no matter what happened to your hide. Will, man, you know, okay, will's more in the may ram. Anyways. I love that the New Testament confirms God's heart for us to prosper. Listen to this. This is one of our beloved scriptures. We all know this from 3 John 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may be prosper, what? In all things. And be in health, just as your soul prospers. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. I don't care what anybody says about prosperity. That's the word of the Lord. And that's the thing. That's where we had to begin to change the way we think and begin to shift our believing and not allow, you know, something that has infected the teachings on prosperity. Not allow this virus, not allow this tox, these, these toxic things have been said, but go back to what does the word of the Lord say. And that's what we need to begin to latch on to. So, here's some th- a few more little things about prosperity that I want to tell you this morning that will be helpful to you. Number one, prosperity must be defined by the Word of God, not by the world. That's key. That's key what I'm telling you right now. Prosperity must be defined by what the Scripture teaches, what the Word of the Lord is, not what the world says is prosperity. Because they may not be the same. And in some cases, they're not the same. Sometimes they may look the same, the outworking of them, but not always. So we have to go to the Word of the Lord. That's our starting place, and let it tell us 
what this, whatever he does will prosper. We had to find out, well, what does that word mean from the scriptural and biblical perspective? Are y'all following this? I want to uh, uh, tell you this about blessing, okay? Nice cars, nice jobs, right? Good jobs, money, nice homes, uh, whatever you like, nice golf clubs, motorcycles, those, let me say this, those are not the blessing of the Lord. Those are not the blessing. Those are not the blessing. You need to hear this. Those things are not the blessing. Because those things, you can lose your money. The money can lose its value. Your car is going to rust and tear up eventually. Your house is going to fall down eventually. You know, you could get laid off from your job. Okay, you, you could have a, a mighty ministry. It could go away, and it can go away in a flash. All these things, because see, all those things are the outcome of blessings. They are not the blessings. And see, that's one of the things that we've messed up in. I believe we have made those things the blessings where that's really not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach that those are the blessings. They're an outcome of being blessed. Are y'all following this? This is really important. Uh, the blessings of the Lord are new every morning. Actually, it's what the Bible. So we ain't, we ain't talking about something that's going to rust away. Now, all these things can be wonderful. Let's look at Proverbs 10.22. This is the second point. The blessing of the Lord gives us power to prosper. Gives us power. This is a famous scripture. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord... Is what gives you these things. The blessing of the Lord is what gives you a nice car. The blessing of the Lord is what gives you a nice job. The blessing of the Lord. All these things. It's the blessing that we're so hungry for. That has been sung. Sung across the nations. Isn't that amazing? That's what God wants to do. He wants to give you this power. The blessing is, is it's an endowment from God. It's an invisible power that gives you this ability to somehow be blessed, to be prospered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's an it's invisible. It's something that's spiritual that manifests in the natural. But the blessing is spiritual. It's not natural. It causes something to happen in the natural. It causes you to be able to have a nice car or nice golf clubs or a nice shirt. You know, whatever, whatever it may be that, you feel prospered by. It's the blessing that causes, that makes, gives you that power. And it says if the Lord blesses you and makes you prosper, makes you rich, He doesn't add sorrow to it. Now this is important as you get this. The Lord doesn't add sorrow to it, but you can add sorrow to it. You see, the Lord can bless you and enrich you in some way, but you can misuse it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, you can misuse the blessing, and there's where the sorrow comes in. But God didn't give the sorrow. You, you opened the door for the sorrow. Yep. Are y'all got that? Let's make that real clear. The yep. Lord will, blesses you and makes you rich and adds no sorrow to it. But there's people who I've seen that have had mighty blessings from God on their life, been highly enriched in different areas of their life, and then it brought sorrow into their life. Because of stuff they did with it. They misused it. They took advantage of it or whatever. 
Are y'all following this? This is really important. Oh, Lord Jesus. Number three, I've written them down from me. Psalm 1, listen, presents two, let me say this, two and only two ways to live. Two and only two ways to live. It's either live in the way of the world or live in the way of the Word. Now, that's what Psalm 1 tells us. There's no other way. There's no other middle ground. Jesus taught that very well, right? Narrow is the way, way in. Broad is the way. He was talking about two ways. He didn't give us a third way. Now, this is important because I was thinking this morning about my early Christian life, and I was thinking about how we uh, wound up in this, this church called Lamb's Chapel. And let me tell you, when I first walked in the door of that church, I didn't like that church at all. I didn't want to be there. And here's why. Because I was confronted in that church. I was confronted right away with I had to make a decision. Because it was a one way or another way church. You're either all the way in with God, you're going after God passionately, or you're not. That's why I didn't like it, because I didn't want to be all the way in with God at that point in my life. I wanted to be a good Christian boy, but I wanted to do other stuff, too, on the side. You know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever felt that? Like, I want to do some side stuff here, you know. And God will forgive me, you know, before I see go to church again or something. But I was confronted. See, when we are confronted with the power of God, okay, we're forced into a decision. There's an immediate conflict, and people don't like that. People don't want to be confronted. And I didn't want to be confronted, but Becky wanted to be confronted, so she made me stay there. You <laughs> know, kept dragging me over there. And finally, I surrendered, okay? But there's, there's no middle road. So this is what this thing teaches. We experience the blessing of the Lord in two ways, okay? There's two ways it tells us right here. So I'm telling you, this is, this is cool here. When you begin to say, there's a negative, or we experience the blessing of the Lord negatively, okay? And this is how you experience. You have to avoid the ways of the world, y'all. If you really want this, this blessing, you're going to have to not be worldly. I mean, that sounds kind of elementary, but if you look at the body of Christ today, it's not elementary, evidently. <coughs> You can't walk as the world if you want to walk in the blessings of God. Let me just confront you. If you really want this prosperity, this God prosperity, you're going to have to make some choices and decisions about how you live your life. Because you can't live as the world lives and have that. That might sound a little bit harsh to you, but it's just what the Bible teaches us. Okay? It says the first thing is, blessed man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That's the first thing, walking in the counsel of the ungodly. So, what, there's this thing, this term called mind shapers. You ever heard that term? Mind, there's certain mind shapers in our culture. Okay, let me tell you, y'all. One of the mind shapers in our culture that's, that's evil, in my opinion, and I believe, I, I believe 
I believe this is really the truth, is the national media in our country. I'm talking, to, I'm talking on the left and I'm talking on the right. I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about both are bad news. Both are counseling you. They're trying to tell you how to think instead of giving you information and you determine how to think about that information. They don't report news. They're pumping you. They're counseling you. Social media is another thing. Social media is trying to tell you how you should think. And if you look around our world, look around our country, there's a whole mass of people who are, have been indoctrinated by social media. They believe everything social media is telling them. They be, Listen, right or good or bad, this is not good or bad, but I'll tell you this. There's many people who believe stuff about President Trump, which is not the truth. But because social media and, na- and the national has promoted it, and I'm not, saying this is for, I'm not saying for Donald Trump or not Donald Trump. I'm just giving you an example of how the media has influenced us and told us what to believe and how to think. Even when some of the absolute lies that have been told about Donald Trump or somebody else even have been revealed as lies, nobody hears it. Nobody hears it. It's because we have begun to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, that's the truth for our country, y'all. I'm just going to be honest with you. Some of you need to take your social media and stop with it. You need to find a news source where you can just get enough to know what's going on so you can pray in an informed way, but you don't need to sit around and listen to this stuff all the time because you're setting, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for disaster. You're doing exactly what the Bible says don't do. Okay? And all these voices, you know, uh, or, you know, there's talk shows, there's, you know, there's just all these different things that are, are screaming for us to listen to me, listen to me. I've got the truth, I've got the truth. And trying to influence your thinking. We've got we've to get over that because we won't have the blessing of the Lord. And if you do have the blessing of the Lord, it's going to start leaking away in your life. I'm just telling you. So if faith comes by hearing, what, what are you listening to? Honestly, what are you listening to? What has your ear? And that's a good question. So I'm talking to myself too because I've realized if I look at social media too much, listen, I get start getting bummed out. I start feeling overcome. I start feeling this hopelessness that Sarah set up here. When you feel overwhelmed, like what's the use in praying? Everything's so bad. I just you know, even God can't fix this mess. I mean, that's, you start thinking stupid thoughts because you're listening to poison. It's poison in your mind. And so I want to really encourage you, if, if you are struggling, okay, in your life right now, look at the time you're spending on social media. Look at the time you're f- being fed information and begin to wean yourself off of that so your mind can start clearing up and you can start hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit who's not going to shout over all of that except for what's happening in our nation. And I think somehow the Holy Spirit is shouting to America right now in all of this. I'm just saying this, y'all. So that's the first thing. He doesn't walk in the council of the godly. And the next thing, he doesn't stand in the path of sinners. And that does not mean stand against them. It means stand with them. Taking their view. Promoting their view. And there's a lot of Christians who've taken on a view of the world. 
that you can't even disagree with them on, they get offended at you. You know, you've heard this term council culture. Have y'all heard that? Council culture means this. If you don't agree with what somebody's saying, they just counsel you. They just, you're out because you don't agree with me. Number one, we don't need to be doing that to people. We need to respect and honor people that they have an opinion that's different from ours. And we don't need to just push them away, especially when we feel like they're off. We need to love them and try to, you know, win their affections where they could trust us and we could start sneaking words in on them. You know, you know the whole Jehovah sneaky thing. You know, and don't counsel people. But you see, we've got this thing going now where Christians are starting to divide over issues. They're dividing over masks. They're dividing over where the pandemic came from China. They're dividing over the Black Lives Matter thing. Okay? They're dividing over this. They're dividing over that. We're starting to stand in their council. We've got to be really careful about that. That's not the way. That's not the way of God. And I'm not really trying to be political here. I'm t- I, really, my whole point is, I want to prosper. Amen. I, and so I want to get rid of the stuff in my life that's keeping me from being the, as prosperous as I believe God wants me to be. Because I keep feeling like God keeps saying to me, I have more for you. I have more for you. I want to do more with you. And I'm keeping, why ain't it working, Lord? Well, here it is. You need to deal with some of these things in your life, what you're listening to, what you're, what you're standing for that may not be what God stands for. And Jesus is, is kind and loving, and he'll work with you. I mean, he's not, it's not like he's going to slap you down and cuss at you, you know. You know, I might do that, but no, I won't do that. At one point I did until I did it to Becky, and, well, I didn't slap her down. Actually, she slapped me down. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> the last one... He says, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't, that means adopting the attitudes, the philosophical perspectives, and political opinions of the world. Amen. When you adopt them and make them your own, you have suddenly sat down and you've settled in your life for something. Now, don't you think it's interesting here? It says, it says walk, stand, sit. Well, in, in the New Testament... We've said this a few times about the Ephesians. It's sit, walk, stand. You have to sit first. It's a faith thing. We settle first by faith in Christ. We settle there with His opinions. We settle what He has to say. Then we can begin to walk it out. And once we started walking out, then we can know how to stand against the devil. But it's a little opposite in the world. You just start heading in a direction in life, walking with these sinners. It takes no faith to do that. You know? It takes no faith. Then you start standing with them, defending them. And then you finally sit down with them and settle with them with what they believe. And listen, you can believe something completely different about the political stuff. I'm not suggesting you should or shouldn't. I was just using the whole thing which is very obvious, if it's not obvious to you, you've chosen for it not to be obvious, that there is a lot of lies being thrown at us. There's a lot of lies that were thrown at us about this virus. There's a lot of lies being thrown at us about this, all the riots and the protesting. There's lots of lies, y'all, and, and we're getting it from the wrong source. We need to get to the word of the Lord 
and let that begin to inform us, and then we can begin to understand what's happening. We can begin to see what's happening from, from heaven. Let me read uh, Colossians 2, 8 through 10. I'm, I'm almost finished, but I, I do need to finish on, on the positive. But let me read this one. Listen, this is what Paul said. Don't let anyone capture you with empty f- philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. And that's what Paul the Apostle would say today about stuff that's going on our airwaves. It's nonsense. High-sounding nonsense. It's empty philosophies. The church, y'all, let's don't adopt that empty philosophy. There's so many philosophical things in the church. Let's don't, let's don't adopt those things. Let's don't agree with those things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because it's, it's, we don't need to. Listen, uh, that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So you see, it's not just human stuff. There's spiritual power behind all this stuff. And there's spiritual power that's working in our nation like never before. It's very wicked. And we need to, if you're a Christian that don't believe that, you need to ask God to wake you up. You need to ask God to help you see something different than you're seeing. Because our nation is at a critical time. We've, I don't know that we've ever been in as much critical time. Maybe we were. I mean, I've been... Grew up with race riots and assassinations and crawling under your desk when you was a kid because of the nuclear war drills. You know, so I got caught, you know, then we had 9-11 and why, you know, sort of all these disasters. But there's a spiritual element to this that's much more powerful, at least in my life it seems much more powerful than what we've gone through before. You know, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you this, I don't have a problem with peaceful protest. I feel like if somebody's got a piece of yay, that's a good thing to, to make your voice known. But man, this violence, this, that ain't right. That is wrong. That's evil when people start getting beat up and destroyed and killed and property. How can that be God? How could we ever give our amen to that? Don't you dare do that because you're giving your amen to the works of the devil. Okay? You really are. Let's give our amen to the word of the Lord. Okay, that's what, so listen to what he's saying. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are complete. In other words, you don't need all that. You're complete because you have Christ and he has all the wisdom. He knows what's really going on. So you don't have to put yourself into into this place of the world. You don't need it. Y'all, whether you feel like you do or not, you don't need what the world says. You don't need to act like the world. You don't need to be part of the world. You need to live in the world, obviously. He put us in the world to be salt and light. But we don't need to be the world. You don't need it. you got something better. you got something greater. And you have something to give this world and give these human beings that are out there doing terrible things or terrible things are being done to them. You have the answer for them. You have the power to change their life. You can bring the light of the glory of God to them. But if you have adopted all these other things or living with them, you will never help them. And at the end, they will bite you and take you down with them. Because I promise you, in the end, I don't know when the end is, but all that stuff's going down one day. Every knee will bow. And when I get there, I want to bow and worship, not bow because I'm being knocked down. You know what I'm saying? It says that Christ is the head over every ruler and authority. 
Now that's really where we need to begin to see that. And we're attached to him. And we're a part of him. And that we need to get that. He's the head. He's the knowledge. He's the wisdom. He's all of that. And we need to get to tap into that to begin to look and see and hear what's happening in our world. And, start, and, and the first thing shouldn't be the news, what the news says, or what somebody said on social media, or some theology on social media, or somebody's doctrine on social media, or somebody's view on social media. Yep. I told Becky the other day, probably the best thing white people could do right now is shut up yeah. and just listen. It might be best for them to listen to some of these black people who have something to say. I've listened to one guy, he was an athlete, uh, ex-athlete, very godly man. And he said some amazing things. He said, this is an uncomfortable conversation, you know, for white people, to help white people to kind of see the mindset of the black person. It, it really is like us walking in their shoes. And I think there's a little bit of wisdom in that for us right now. Instead of us having all these answers, you know, Jesus has the answer. Okay, I'm not trying to be political with y'all guys. I'm really not. I just feel like we need to really, we need to go after this stuff. But here's the way we need to go after it. We need to go after it in the godly way. And there is the other way to be blessed. Those are the things we shouldn't be doing. Walking, walking, sitting, standing with, all the world stuff. Okay, but we should... Tap into the word of the Lord. And this is a, just a beautiful scripture that I feel like it's just so amazing. It's Here's how we do this. You know, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. This is Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which was sort of the, what some people call the Magna Carta of the New Testament. It's like how the whole New Testament, it's how everything's supposed to work spiritually. And this is the end of it. He says, anyone who listens to my teachings... And follows it is wise. Is wise. Think about the wisdom song. What did he say? Anyone who what listens, you can't listen to that if if the news has just got your ear or the social media's got your ear. It's going to be hard to listen to him. Make that the number one voice and everything else secondary. But he don't just say listen to it. He says anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it. Follows it. It can't just we hear something. We've really got to follow that teaching. We've got to live that teaching. We've got to walk it out in our lives. We can't just be Christians in word only. That's what Paul said. The kingdom of God doesn't come in word. It comes in power. And Jesus said you've got to, you've got to listen to it and you've got to follow it. If you really want to live the blessed life, if you want God to prosper you, you have to not only hear what he's saying, but you've got to follow what he's saying. And sometimes it will be like this. You show up at a Lamb's Chapel church and you're immediately confronted and repelled by it, okay, because your flesh is confronted. And the church needs to start confronting flesh again. There's nothing wrong with people being confronted about their carnality. Because I think, in fact, I sent a text this morning to, to Harry Bazell, who was the pastor at church. I sent a text to his daughter and said, tell your parents, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be confronted. Okay? Because it changed my life. Because I did come to a decision. And I'm now, you know, however many 40-something years down the road, thinking, thank God. 
thank God I was confronted. And somehow by the grace of God, I made a decision that I'm going to follow Christ. I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep doing all this worldly foolishness. But maybe a little bit here and there, right, Becky? <laughs> Becky keeps me straight. Trust me on that. She's very good at that. So it's wise. That goes back to the wisdom Some It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents and the floodgates rise and the winds beat against the house, it will not collapse because it's built on bedrock. Notice he didn't say if the rains, if difficulties. He said it's coming. It's here. The rains are here. The torrents are here. They're beating against us. Now, I believe this is the truth. There's a storm that has come upon the church in America. And probably the whole world, for that matter. And it's beating against it. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. Mouth of Jesus. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against it, that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. It will collapse. I think a lot of, lot of I'll just be honest with you, I think a lot of churches have collapsed. They may still be going on as usual. But Jesus even said in Revelation about candlesticks, which are the church. I'll remove you. He said that several times. I'll remove that candlestick. You can go on and be in church, but as far as I'm concerned, you're not my church. And see, I don't want us just to be a church in name. Let's be one of his churches. Let's not just be Christians in name. Let's be his Christians. Let's be his followers. That's what he's calling us to. And once we begin to do that, he's going to show us about the news. He's going to show us how to work through these things with a mighty wisdom and we'll have authority and power to deal with stuff. Okay? We'll know how to pray. We'll know how to treat people. You know, we'll know how to apply things when they need to be applied. We'll know when to keep our mouth shut. We'll know when to speak. That's really... Amen. Yeah. And I do think this... um, I think I was telling... uh, Jim, this uh, Jim Hill. You know, Jim said something to me interesting the other day on the way to the golf course. By the way, <laughs> see, we make the golf spiritual. You know, we have some spiritual stuff going. You know, that way we won't feel bad about golfing. <laughs> Not really. I don't feel get bad about it anyway. <laughs> you get phone calls in the middle of the night. You don't mind doing stuff, right? <laughs> Anyways, we were. Jim was talking about. You know, Jim has spent his life in cross cultural missions ministering to people of other cultures, other races, other colors. But him as a white man in America today, he has no voice to speak. You hear what I'm saying? He doesn't have a voice. Yeah, he's a person who, who should have a voice. He's a person who's lived this thing. He's a person who's washed a lot of dark-skinned people's feet. He's a person who saved a lot of dark-skinned people's lives. It's the tragedy in America that we have quieted voices like that. I'll tell you this. We're quieting the voice of God when we do that to our own hurt. And I know I'm speaking to the choir. Y'all would love to hear what Jim has to say on it. Every one of you in here like, yes, please, Jim, talk to us about this. Okay? But Jim, if he spoke out on social media or something, he would be just ridiculed into the ground. And there's many people like that. I believe there's many godly people that have something to say. 
and their voices are being suppressed. Why are their voices being suppressed? It's because we're listening to the wrong voices. And we, because that, those wrong voices have convinced us that they're right and somebody like Jim or, or whoever are wrong, therefore they're not allowed to speak. Because in our culture today, if you don't speak a certain language, if you don't speak in a certain persuasion, you're pushed aside. You're, you're counseled. And that is wrong. So, you know, I hope this doesn't sound rough or anything. You know, I just feel like, like I say, my whole thing is I want to prosper. You know, I want to finish my course on earth. But I don't want to finish it dragging in all crippled, somebody having to carry me over the finish line, right? I want to finish it victorious. Like, hey, I'm done, y'all. Y'all got a good run in front of me, but I'm done. I'm going to go watch you. I'm going to the crowd of witnesses now. I want to prosper. I want you to prosper. I want this church to prosper. But we see there's a way to prosper and there's a way to fail. Amen? Amen. Won't you stand up? Now, Marlon, come up here. We're going to pray. We're going to have the ministry team. uh, And Marlon's going to pray. Lead. You know, what we're doing is Marlon's just going to lead, facilitate, and make sure everybody's being treated respectfully here. If you don't want to be touched but you want prayer... If you want somebody to touch it, yay. And this, whatever suits you. But we just want to make sure that, you know, we're doing, we're treating you, considering your feelings. Um, I think that's a good thing to do right now. That's not being carnal. That's just being kind. So I want to pray for you. And I want to challenge some of you about, about the news and about social media and about what you're giving your ear to. I want to challenge you. Okay. I want to challenge you to think about it and think about the time you're investing in that. Okay? And consider doing something different. Maybe take a week off. You know, just start there. Or take a day off. Take an hour off if you're addicted to it. Take an hour off. Just an hour. And say, God, instead of me listening to Fox News or MSNBC or whatever you be, I'm going to not listen to that. I'm... I'll listen to some worship music or I'll listen to the scriptures being read or I'll just pray and think about something in my life that I need Jesus to do something about or or one of my friends, I'll pray for him. And I think when we begin to do that, we might start seeing some things change in our personal lives. Okay, so I want to just like, and hey, I'm talking to me. You know, I, I can get carried away. Ask Becky, you know. She says I'm obsessive about everything. So I know about going too far with stuff, believe me. So I want to just pray for you, though. That's what I want to do. I want to pray, Lord, we just need you. We do believe. I do believe, Lord, this Psalm 1 thing really is a a mighty key for us right now. It really is the, the aim of the Holy Spirit for us. And I just ask you, Father, right now, help us. Lord, we ask for help. Lord, we want to do something. Uh... We want to do something, right? I feel frustrated at times when I, when I see stuff going on. I want to do something about it. I want to go stop the violence. I, I really do. I want to stop some stuff. I want to change some things. And I feel frustrated like most husbands do when their wife tells them a problem they can't fix. You know, husbands know about that, right? Your wife starts talking to you about something and you, you can't fix it. You can't do anything. And you start feeling all this frustration burning in you. And me and Becky have all these arguments. Because I'll just start making up stuff. Well, that ain't right, Becky, even though it is right. 
It's because there's something in me wants to do something. That's how God created men. That's how He created the body of Christ. To make a difference in this world. And we feel frustrated because we see all this hurt and all this disaster. You know, we need Jesus to help us. And I think one of the things is look at our life. Are we walking in the ways of the world? Or what part of our lives are we walking in the ways of the world? And begin to renounce that and say, no more. No more. I'm done with that. That's what I did way back at the Lamb's Chapel. Oh, i got to let go of the marijuana now because I wanted to go get back into it. You know? Just, but I knew that was the world. That wasn't Jesus. And I had to decide between Jesus and the world. I want you to decide today if you haven't done that. Between Jesus and the world. Maybe there's a part of your life you haven't. That little voice that tells you something, you're like, I ain't listening to that voice. And that little voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's the area you could start. You ever heard the Holy Spirit tell you something? Maybe you don't need to do that anymore. Didn't say don't do it, maybe. Because He knows you're going to do it. And that's why He said maybe. He didn't want to say don't do it because you'd get in disobedience. He said maybe to get you thinking. Get you thinking. And say, Jesus, I, I, I probably need to stop doing that. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, and just pray for everybody in this room and those listening online, that we could just just have a shift in our life, Lord. And Lord, I just pray nobody feels any kind of judgment or any kind of condemnation, but I don't believe that's your heart. I don't believe that's what's been said here today. I do believe you want to release the wisdom of God to us and into the world. I do believe that fragrance of Christ, that incense that we sing about, I do believe that's the answer for the world. I do believe you want to uncover stuff and it's going to look ugly and it's going to be hurtful. And we need that incense. We need that fragrance when these things are uncovered to, to cover the people that's going to be hurt. And so I just pray, Lord, and I ask you for mercy, God. Ask you for your love to be manifested to us. And ask you to comfort Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. That was powerful, Byron. Mercy, Lord. So I just felt like there's one thing that I want to do before bring. Wonderful Matthias up here. He had something that he wanted to share. So you can come up here, Matthias, as I'm releasing this. So one of the things that I just felt pretty strongly about is, you know, we need the Holy Spirit to wash our minds, you know. We need the Holy Spirit to break things that wrong thinking. You know, where the media is really, or other sources of influenced our thought process, rather than having Christ's mind and his thinking process. We can actually see things clearly, and you can allow the Holy Spirit to unveil really the lies that are happening. You know, that, that, that anger that Byron was saying, I felt it. I felt at home. You know, I was just so indignant about it. Because it just, some of you are so idiotic. Some of you go, you know, what does somebody 
who's walked the dream to build a store, and you have the right to come and burn it down. What is, how is that even justifiable? You know, when they come out to protect themselves and then you beat them with a two by four, then you just feel that anger and you just feel that conviction because you're going, you know, and being African, man, that, that just something in you that just rises up when you see that kind of injustice because you want to whoop somebody at that point. <laughs> I'm serious. Because you see how unjust it is. Because you're going, what? they're innocent. What do they have to do with it? So, so but I feel like, that could be the Lord's righteous anger that comes up. But I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to direct that into prayer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer and then action. Yeah. You know? Prayer and then action. Yeah. You can see people doing it. You can see people, they feel that indignation, they feel that anger, and then they go out and they're praying on the streets, they're praying for the policemen. Mm-hmm. You know? And you can see... Just the lie of trying to remove authority from its place so that anarchy can come in. But if you come in from what the media is saying, you're like, oh my word, it's true, we should defund the police. I'm from Africa. I'm like, you come and live there for a month. And you tell me when you call the police when you're in trouble, how long it takes for them to even show up. But most of the time they don't, unless you bribe them. So my perspective is a little bit different. <laughs> I don't want to get into preaching, but I just want to release that because it's something that burns in me. So, just put your hand on your forehead. So, Holy Spirit, we just break any thought processes that are illegal, that are not yours, that are not heavenly, that are not the Father's heart. We break that right now in the name of Jesus. Let your blood, Jesus, wash our minds. Let it wash our souls. Let anything that has lodged itself in our souls, we ask you, Holy Spirit, let it be dislodged right now in the name of Jesus. Any seething lies that are there, let them be broken in the name of Jesus. And let the spirit of truth be what rules us. Let the spirit of truth Espíritu de verdad. Be what absolutely Ahora, leads us. Nos guía. In the name of Jesus. En el nombre de Jesús. And we all said. Todos decimos. Amen. Amen. So I come here, Matías.